Hey, Lise. Hey, what's up, Miles? I'm good. How are you? I am doing quite well. I can't complain. It's an amazing. It's not raining, so I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. So we're back today on Business Casual. I'm feeling great. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the topics. I'm excited for these topics. They, they're, they're one of those topics where, like you said, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, so I'm going to let you break our first topic down for us. Okay. So I was actually reading and I saw this really interesting article. It came from Bloomsburg and it pretty much stated that married men make more money than pretty much everyone else, which is an interesting concept because I was thinking what came first? Were they really wealthy? And so they had more selection of people to choose from? Or was it you know, more of your perspective on it, that once you get married, you have more responsibility. So you have more drive and you work a little bit harder for it. What What are your thoughts on it? Um, my thoughts, I remember how I was before I got married and my life was heading down a very selfish um, like path. Like everything was about me. And the one thing that I realized about having a very selfish and narrow mindset is that when everything's about you, you can't push yourself as hard as if there are other people and other things to work hard for. And so when I got married, I realized like I was more on top of like taking on extra work or taking jobs that required me to, to leave the state and to do things to just better put me and my wife in a better position that if I was single, you know, I had enough money for myself. Like I, I was good, but because I had this thought of how can we build this asset? Um, how can we build this family unit on a foundation that is rock solid? My marriage gave me a new perspective on what to work for. And that super energized my work ethic. So I come from that standpoint when it comes to married men make more. I just feel like married men have a more narrow focus that is less selfish um, than when we're running around here as bachelors buying anything we want and everything we want. <laughs> You know, that is true. It also brings into the conversation of a couple of different things. Um, I guess the new mentality that marriage is not necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are choosing not to get married. And of course, you know, divorce rates are really, really, really high. And so it's hard to say to a lot of, especially the newer generations, that there is a benefit in marriage. Yeah. It becomes, marriage is more of a, a financial yeah. thing, right? I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people are going to push back on me and say, it, you know, that's not true. It's a marriage is between you and God and your spouse. But if you think about marriage, when it comes way back to when people really started to get married, 
marriage was made as a financial institution. That's why you get a tax break to be married because the thought process is if you're together, you're going to have more income, therefore being able to grow the economy and you're going to acquire more things like homes and cars and you're going to have children and then they're going to increase how much money is going to come into the economy. And the more people are in the economy, the more the country can sustain. So that's why there's a benefit for the government tax break as a married person. But it also brings into the conversation, just kind of going back between the newer generations, not wanting to get married kids. And then you have two separate households. Of course, you're going to naturally have less income Mm -hmm. because one, you're splitting it up. So you're splitting, income up. And then two, uh, I think you kind of mentioned this when we, we talked off air, that you don't have as much motivation to take extra like overtime and shifts because one, you probably can't. So if you have a little person, childcare is expensive. It's going to be very hard to do that. So it's not as easy when you have somebody else that's working with you or in the household that maybe can watch the children while you pick up an extra shift. And so there's a lot of things that go into it. Also, women make less money for the same work. That's also a reason why married men make more because they even say married men make more than married women. And so women have a higher rate of education, especially amongst African-American women. So the fact that even still, you know, men make more is something that we need to take a look at, you know? So that's kind of like a different perspective on it, but there are lots of reasons why, um, you know, I don't know what your perspective on with that as aspect or element. Um, I definitely feel that in the workplace, and I'm not speaking for everybody's workplace, but in the workplace, there is an emphasis on men who are married and have children as being a lot more stable. Because if, let's say, the wife gets pregnant, the man doesn't necessarily have to miss a day of work. You know, uh, it's like when you put, when you think about a man in the workplace that's married, that has a strong foundation, he's probably the ideal for most corporations because. He, you know, the, the man is going to be looked at as, okay, he, he, there aren't going to be many reasons for this guy to miss work. Because if, if it's dealing with something with the kids, he can send the wife to go do it. Especially if he's the breadwinner, if he's making the money. If it makes more sense for him to be working, why would he take off to go get the kid if the wife can do it? You know, if she's making less money. So, I, and I don't necessarily think that that's a good thing. But I do understand how uh, maybe different jobs see that as an asset. And maybe subconsciously, they're picking men that are married and paying them more just because the stability factor is so high. That's that is true. I mean, concerning, but true. (laughs) Um, So in and of itself, that's something we've seen across the board with women being or supposedly being the caregivers for the kids and men not having quite as much responsibility for taking care of the kids when it comes to the day-to-day, not necessarily providing, mm-hmm. but it's a lot different from being a provider and a Most caregiver. Definitely. They're two 
totally different things. And so there's always been this double standard, but it's kind of changing really the conversation with women being more educated and getting higher levels of degrees. And you're seeing African-American women who are starting businesses at six times the rates of anyone else. So it kind of changes the perspective. So in a couple of years, I don't know if this conversation will change. It hasn't changed. Oh my goodness. And since the beginning of time, that we've really <laughs> been tracking data, but maybe it will, but it's a great conversation to think about in, in the terms of stability and the way that we look at marriage and what the benefits of marriage can be because up until, like I said, about the 1930s, people didn't get married just because of love. It was like around the 1930s when people were like, well, we need to marry just because of love. Before then, getting married because they wanted to accumulate income wealth. Um, it was, an, I heard it from somewhere in the best way that I've ever heard it. People actually were getting married to get in-laws, which is crazy now, you know, if you think about it, because a lot of people don't necessarily get along with their in-laws. But back then, you were. So you married for, you know, to families that had money, had something to, to gain. So if you had a son and they had a daughter, you said, hey, I got a daughter. Like, you should meet her and we should get together so that we can become this big conglomerate company and accumulate all of this wealth. And so that's really what it was. And that's how people went about getting married. And it, that's why it was more financially stable and people stayed married. Well, see, now it's not that to way. Me, this is a testament of how the times have changed because with more people say, seeing marriage as a not not necessarily um an added benefit to their life or an asset. They're looking at it as I need to do everything I possibly can in life and then I'll get married. Where the picture back in the day, like you said, was, hey, let's bring these two families together. Let's build this wealth. Let's stand on top of this great foundation that both of our families have made. Now, in the new world where it's like so many people are marrying for love or lust or, you know, just like the value system for marriage has really changed from the institution that it used to be. And I believe now people are looking at marriage to make them happy. Mm -hmm. Once you change marriage into something that's fulfilling you with pleasure, I believe you're already destined to fail. You know, um, marriage is a give and take. You know, and in 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 the in the best form, when you have a married man and a married woman who are working in joint combined effort, there isn't anything stronger. There isn't any unit stronger. That's why when uh, people come in and seek to destroy your community, the first thing they attack is family. The first thing they se separate True. is family. So I'd like to to pose the question to the people who believe getting married is a negative is that your idea or is that the enemy's idea that was infiltrated in your mind you know what i'm saying because if you truly knew the real history and the asset of a wife if you're a husband then you wouldn't be searching for anything but a wife but in today's society people are searching for uh you know i think the term is like thought and then you know they, they want these 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 instant gratification women that can only bring looks and this and that and the third, when a, a woman 
used to be valued on her discretion. They used to be valued on uh, what their household making skills. Like it used to be like, what are these two people bringing together that's going to add to the overall family? And now it's all individual based. What are you going to do for me? What's your, what's your yeah. resume? How can you stack up to, to my life? And if, it, if you don't check off all of these boxes, then this thing that we've tried to start, we, we throw, it, throw it in the trash. It's no longer lifelong commitment. So they've turned something that was an asset um, into a liability. That's true. And a, a lot of things that were kind of piggybacking, I mean, it changed a little bit with what women could value because the thought process of what women were has changed. Um, because like I said, we were not equal. We were not thought to be capable of doing the same things, but you're right. So when you're getting into a relationship, you should be looking at how not the person can complete you, but how you can uplift them and they can uplift you. That's why I always say that you should find some strength or get with somebody that has a strength that you don't have and vice versa. Because where you are weak, they are strong. Therefore, you become this in pretty much this strong unit that cannot be broken. And on top of that, they will teach you what they know. So then they don't complete you. You become a complete person because you have learned from someone who has already mastered a skill that you don't have. So that is really what marriage should be. I Like I said, it's marriage is difficult and people don't want to do that. They look for perfect people when they don't even deserve a perfect person because they're not a perfect person themselves. <laughs> and so you, you cannot desire some body that you cannot even stack up to because if you met that perfect man or woman would they even look your way <laughs> you know so it, it's kind of it you have to kind of look at yourself and you're right it, when it came to marriage not being especially in our community as african-americans not as important really it stemmed from they broke us up from the time like our ancestors were here from slaves because as a unit you are stronger yeah. You can teach each other. And so what they did was they divide up the families and the, the slaves because, one, they didn't speak the same languages in some cases. And so there was a communication right. barrier. There also was a, a lack of trust because I don't know you. You don't know me. You know, I, it, it's a reason why they broke it, break up families. And families don't necessarily have to be blood relatives, but you get what yeah. I'm saying. So marriage is, is it a very valuable asset to you, like you said, if you do it correctly. And on top of that, you know, we still have to look into it. Why men make more? Because like I said, all the billionaires just so happen to be <laughs> married. When you look at Bezos and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, all of Mark Zuckerberg, all of them are married. So do they have this drive already, which just makes them these driven you know, people? Like, I, I was reading an article about Elon Musk and he had some great windfalls. He took a lot of risk in his companies. But the one thing that stood out was his his collapse. When he when he went through his first really, really tough hardships, he uh, he lost his first wife and he had been on a huge downward spiral business wise because mentally he just couldn't get himself in the game. You know, and he met a woman 
when he was in London and they ended up getting married and suddenly his business takes back off. His mind is focused. He's skyrocketing back to be the real life Iron Man, you know, like, the mm-hmm. and, and it's to me, I feel like men have forgotten how to value the stability that a wife can bring to a husband and that 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 stability that the husband has because they trust and they love their wife gives them and empowers them to go out and be the best version of themselves you know and you can't really put a number on what a good wife is worth to a man you can't yeah it's a, a good spouse can do a lot of things for a a lot of people and it's just being able to understand that and and know that and like I said we'll figure out later on yeah. why married <laughs> make more money because I don't know if we, we quite going to figure that one out just as of yet but one of the benefits is the power of saving you're able to save so I know you have some tips for us on how you can save and what that looks like yeah. and because you're you're that's that's a strong thing. I'm not going to say I'm the best at that, but I, I'm gonna let you take that away and, and and give us some tips on the power of saving. So saving in today's world, they've made it so convenient for us to take our change that we spend at like a Seven Eleven and just have that money rounded up and go to an account. The thing that I think most people mess up with is that they pull all of their money into maybe one or two accounts. And what that does is mentally you're playing a game with yourself. Like, cause a lot of people don't understand money is just a game. You're playing a game. And if you're bad at it, you need to figure out the rules. (laughs) One of the things that I tell people is that, Hey, if you really want to start saving money, you need to get a bunch of accounts and those accounts need to be separated And those accounts can't be readily available for you to just grab money out because when money is readily available and you're online shopping on your phone and they've made it so convenient that all you have to do is Apple pay, put your little thumb and you can (laughs) purchase some jogging shorts that you don't need at 3 a.m. in the morning. It kind of. Hey, how do you know I don't need jogging shorts at 3 a.m. in the morning? You never know. I might be going jogging at five, you know. Amazon gonna drop it off at four fifteen. So. <laughs> and uh, I just, I just, I, sometimes I think like those. The thing that kills savings in today's world is just impulse buys. So mm-hmm. if we can, if we can figure out new and innovative ways to separate our money, and still be able to see it grow, because that's another thing. If you do have multiple bank accounts it's good to be able to check on them and see them grow because it gives you an incentive to not continually do the instant gratification thing of like, Oh yeah, we're going out to eat. And instead of getting maybe the chicken wings, you grabbing the steak. <laughs> you know? So and one of the things I want to talk about today is virtual banking. Virtual banking is like my new secret to like saving, like, there's so many great uh, places to save. There's one called Robinhood, which has stock options where you can just purchase stocks um, and you can have money automatically, uh, you know, downloaded right from your account and transferred right into the Robinhood account instantly. Like 
you can put $20 a week, $5 a day, you know, maybe $50 every two weeks. And you'll be surprised how, how just adding two or $3 or $5 coming out of your account into an account that you don't have a credit card available to can just boost your savings. You know, like what, are there any, are there any, um, like, I'm going to give you a couple of the ones that I use. I use Robinhood. I use capital. I use even cash app has this feature. Um, I use acorns. Um, of course, all of my regular accounts, like my bank of America, my PayPal account, PenFed, and all of these have online options that you don't have to link a debit or credit card to. And that can just be the change that you save from each one of your, um, your, your purchases that you make. So it's just rounding up and adding, um, you know, just your extra change into an account that you're not necessarily having so much access to that. You're just burning that money up just because, you know, how the old folks used to say that money just burning a hole in your pocket. Like you just got to spend it. But when you Mm -hmm. don't have that direct access, but you can still see your money grow. I think the power of saving, you give yourself the 2018 virtual boost. We're not back in the day where we have to store cash in like a box or, you know, you got to go all the way to the, the bank to deposit your money. Now you can just do quick transfers, you know? So for me, um, that's, that's one of the main things that I want to say about, about, uh, saving is just take some time to look at some of these virtual banks and set up reoccurring transfers that aren't like ridiculous. Like I always say, start with like just 20 bucks every two weeks. Cause we all buy lunch or we go out and we eat and we probably spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks here and there. But if we could just automatically have those uh, instant gratifications kind of pay us, it's like, wow, here we have a hundred, two hundred dollars over the course of two, three months. And now you can maybe take a quick little day trip somewhere or buy an item, an emergency item that may have broke. Like my wife's breast pump broke the other day. And I just went into one of my accounts, grabbed 200 and got her a brand new breast pump. And I didn't have to go into my banking account and like see my the money that I use every day be hit. You know, I, I literally took money that I saved in my uh, free time and was able to take care of a, a an emergency that happened, you know, quite frequently. You know, little things happen and we just want to grab some money and take care of it. But we don't, we, we can't always just pull it right out of our main checking account because so many bills and all of these other things come out that, it gets tricky, you know? Right. And I, I, you, you hit on a really big thing. A lot of us get in trouble with the money because it is readily available. And that's why they say you should carry cash around, which a lot of people don't do anymore because it's easy to spend money you can't see. And before you know it, you've spent money you don't have. And so you definitely want to be able to kind of save yourself from yourself, which I I need to do and I do quite often. So you do need to be able to do that. And I I think that 
when it comes to saving, but the biggest way to really save is through investments. A lot of people don't do that. So I'm glad you mentioned the Robinhood app and it doesn't have, I think it has free option yeah. trading, which if you're going to be going on any of those types of investment apps, I highly recommend you find out whether or not they have free option trading. Because if you go to like E-Trade and I think a couple of those other like five, brokerage accounts, a, they, a trade. Yeah. Charge you, yeah, they charge you every time you uh, do any type of allocation or if you buy or sell stocks and so you need to be very careful with that, um, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Robinhood is great because it's good for a casual investor, people who don't understand it. What I tell a lot of young people, you want to get into investments. You want to get your money into the stock because putting your money in a checking account, it doesn't grow. So you don't want to invest money you don't have, but you definitely want to invest your money because it will grow without you doing a whole lot. And there's a lot of people that can help walk you through it if you're not really familiar with all the stocks and reading a prospectus, which I don't know if you want to read it if you've never seen a stock before because it would be scary. <laughs> So I I highly recommend if, if you're not in stocks and you're not saving, yes, Social Security, what I was talking to my friend from TIAA and, and I was telling her, yeah, by the time we retire, we're not going to have any Social Security. And she was like, of course we will. They're just going to raise taxes. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, but you don't want to, you don't want to depend on, you know, Social Security. You yeah. want to have money when you retire. And so you want to start to save it. And the way that a lot of these Warren Buffett's, yeah, he is the the head of Berkshire Hathaway, but he accumulated a lot of his money. Okay, some of it in real estate, but he accumulated a market. And you have to be a smart investor. All of the wealthy people you see are in the stock oh, yeah. market. There aren't any wealthy people. Not saying I'm not saying rich. I'm saying wealthy. There are no wealthy people that do not invest their money in the stock market wisely. And if you are not familiar with what the stock market is, as I know a lot of people don't know what that is, it is it is key to saving. It is key to saving money because, like I said, it will grow your money when you're not even looking at it. You're not even worried about it. Now, you do need to be vigilant because things go up and down, but I highly recommend you figure out what the stock market is. And another way, one of the best ways I've seen it explained, it's like a lemonade stand, the way the stock market really is. And so with buying and selling stocks, so one of these days, I highly recommend you to go watch the show Explained on Netflix. It gives the most simplistic view of what, and they do it in a lemonade stand with children. It is the most easiest. If you're not familiar or sure what buybacks are, it's, it's easiest way ever. And you'll go, oh, that makes <laughs> sense. So go watch the show. Explained on that. Yeah. I think, yeah, you brought up a great uh, point. Just saving your money in a check-ins account or a savings account is probably the worst returns you can have on your money. Like, unless you're getting some type of interest, unless your money is making something while you're asleep, you're just missing a huge opportunity to grow and diversify your portfolio and really just have um, start some new habits, you know, because a lot of times we 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 fail for the lack of knowledge. So if you could just research one or two companies, um, you know, a day or a week or something like that and. Once you find a company that you really feel good about, you like their projected history, go ahead and check how much their stock is and maybe start buying one or two stocks 
every quarter or every, you know, when you have enough money to, to, to take your savings and just purchase a couple stocks and you'll see your returns at the end of the year and say, wow, if I would have just left all of this money in the savings account, there's no way I would have gotten those dividends and those returns on my money. So the power of saving folks, if you don't know, <laughs> it does hurt you. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. Amazing with savings and investing. So definitely listen to him. So we will be back again next Thursday. We'll have some other amazing topics to discuss. And we will be trying to get some more thoughts and anything that's going on in the community. So if you want to reach us, we will our contact information. So if there's a topic that you really want us to discuss, let us know. We want to hear what's going on in the community, but we will be back again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Am I missing anything, Miles? No, I think you, you, you got us all the way together. All right. Well, this has been Business Casual with Miles and Lise, and we will see you guys again next week. Stay away from those water coolers. Don't become break room whomever. We got to work still because we got to stay. Have a great day.